This is Sid Haig for Nightmare Junkhead. Listen, or I'll come over there and put my boot all up in your ass. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, the only horror podcast guaranteed to make you pee your pants and eat your dog. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we are paying tribute to a mighty horror icon who was taken away from us, the one and only Mr. Wes Craven. But let me remind you, we are part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. An ever-expanding network, and you can find all of our past episodes at BoomHowdy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, search for either Boom Howdy or Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes and Stitcher apps. And when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All in your ear hole. That is right. That is what we do. And this is a sad, sad episode, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say it's unfortunate that we had to we have to do this under like such solemn circumstances like if you look at our sister sister podcast nerds and nostalgia we're doing a whole john carpenter retrospective and it would be nice to do like a whole west craven retrospective under better terms absolutely where, where we it's one of those things where you when you haven't seen friends in a while yeah. and then you end up seeing each other under the pretense of someone passed away mm-hmm. and you're gathering you're like, and yeah. it's like you know what we should see each other more often and not under these circumstances mm-hmm. same thing we should definitely and we do celebrate a lot of his yeah. work on all of our podcasts oh yeah but in terms of really embracing what he did what he meant to uh the horror community mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that we it, this has to happen mm-hmm. for this kind of a gathering well, it's like with almost any artists are not really truly appreciated until they've already passed mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so and so yeah we're going to basically this is going to be one of those episodes where we take a look at his work what it's meant to us personally mm-hmm. because as horror nerds he was an overlord he really one of the was. dark overlords yeah he was uh, he was a guy that really set the tone in the 70s 80s and 90s mm-hmm. i mean his his influence has been felt over multiple decades and that's very rare yeah you know within any business in general but especially especially the horror. In horror genre there's only maybe like about few like maybe you can count them on one hand on someone who's been around for as long as he has and consistently put out good work. And we're not saying that every there was no missteps. Oh but no, no, there's a no, few there's a few missteps. But but for the most part, I mean, we're, it's it, he's was one of the masters. He truly, truly was. He was. And, yeah. And so we're gonna try and keep this podcast like light and happy. Yeah. Oh, instead of instead of like. Christmas time, right? But, you know, celebrating the man's work, his legacy. And what a legacy he has. Oh, yeah. He st- and he passed away age 76 uh, from brain cancer. And here's the thing that really took me. I didn't know. Yeah. That and, was like a shocking surprise. In this day and age, with just all the information overload we have out there, mm-hmm. to have that be such a surprise, because I wasn't aware that he was even suffering from yeah. that kind of cancer. No, same here. I didn't even know he was that old either. Yeah, right? You know? He's, he's always been spry. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's one of those really intellectual filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, there's, always, there's always a real... There's layers going on with yeah. all of his work. And so for this to happen, because I hit it hit a Twitter out of nowhere. Yeah. All of a sudden I hear this, uh, oh, it's so sad, Wes Craven. I'm like, oh, no. No, 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 right. no. Please tell me this is like a hoax or, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those genius jokes, you know, that he's throwing around out <laughs> right. there. Um, I was, it was Sunday and I was watching uh, Fear of the Walking Dead 
And I was just like glancing at it and I'm like, Wes Craven passed away. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Because like not 10 minutes earlier, I'm looking at like the fake obituary of James Earl Jones. Right. And that's it's awesome. like, oh, you got, you got on here. And I'm like, oh, you fucking asshole. Stop playing. And then the next thing, like Hollywood reporter reports. And I'm like, oh shit. So I paused it and I was just like, fuck man. It just, everything just started flooding in at that yeah. point when you get all those initial. Yeah. And that's, and that's when it really hits you. You're like, oh shit, it's, it's really happened. Oh this my God. And then the, the artwork that's been coming up like the sad freddies and like everything i'm like oh right in the fields man someone did a great one where it was a uh, freddy uh there was um uh, roach from people under the stairs mm-hmm. there was uh, J- uh jupiter from P- uh the hills has and it was yeah. just kind of a just an ensemble of all of his characters mm-hmm. and it was an empty director's chair and they're yeah. all just forlorn oh, and so sad, sad it really is and the one where they took the figurines it was like jason and and like Jason and Leatherface and Freddie and Michael and then like Freddie's just and they're just kind of like holding Consoling each other. Yeah, and I'm like, oh damn, man. which is kind of a reminder of the the tight closeness and the tight knit community that is mm-hmm. the horror community. Yeah. And it's unfortunate when this happens, but when this happens though, it really, like you said, it really it, can expose it more stings. people. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know everybody's like, oh, they're horror. They don't give a shit about oh. nothing. It's all blood and guts, and that's furthest from the truth. We horror fans love horror because that's our thing. And when something that has someone who has created such things that has not only defined a lot of us but have celebrated and embraced our like ticks and tricks and stuff and then they're gone it's just like a fucking kick in the teeth man well, it's, it's losing a member of your family yeah it yeah. really is you know i've never met west craven but his work has meant so much to me right so much to you so yeah. much of the other the people that we surround ourselves with that it is very personal mm-hmm. and so when this happens yeah it's it's basically you lose a little bit, bit of part of yourself mm-hmm. unfortunately and to know there's not going to be any more of his um art that's not directly from him but i think he's left such a legacy that right. you will see his influence and in the you know in today's filmmakers mm-hmm. and future filmmakers and that's the thing with putting your images on celluloid yeah that while you may not be around it'll be there forever exactly no. even mm-hmm. in spirit and i know that doesn't mean a lot to any of his family or you know us in general but we still have that that we can hold on to reflect upon but i think i think if if it was everything is fair and just in the world, I think his friends and family will look at the outpouring of support and like, hey, and just the sadness and the, everybody's taking watching marathons of his mm-hmm. movies, watching like taking retrospective, making artwork, celebrating the man. I think they'll be like, you know what? Well, I'm just hoping when I die, people don't spit on my grave and dance. You know, that's I'm just hoping for that. If everybody's like, oh, genius is dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's about that time. Yeah. <laughs> Fucker still owes me money. Yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting when you look at like his his career, uh, where he got started from was um, you can definitely tell in a lot of his movies, um, his background, because he was raised in a very strict Baptist family. And you can kind of see a lot of that in his movies, just in terms of people that are repressed and mm-hmm. people that fall under repression and how they rebel against that which I always yeah. thought was interesting but I mentioned he's very he kind of took an intellectual approach to that and that's because motherfucker was a college professor before he started directing horror films yeah. got his uh, <laughs> masters in philosophy and was teaching humanities at Clarkson College of Technology which I think is kind of awesome and see that actually shows in a lot of his movies especially under a lot of like subtext ones like uh uh, like for example, Scream and the whole like you know, the meta of New Nightmare and the whole Last House on the Left. He brought some intellectual to the Grindhouse Fair. It could have totally, it could have totally been schlocky. It could have been like, yeah, 
it's something amok, you know. It could, <laughs> it could have been something like that, but he made he lifted it up and he really did. It, well, his something. first film was uh, Last House That's on the, the Left, left yeah. which was in '72. And you want to talk about a stark, just realness, gritty, grimy film? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about announcing your presence with authority in such mm-hmm. a way? My God, that whole slow mo where he's just shooting her in the water—that's that's a rough scene to watch now. That entire movie is kind of tough to watch yeah. now, and I can only imagine when that came out in the. 70s because there was definitely that was almost one of those i think it was his response to kind of the vietnam war number mm-hmm. one and that the whole hit me movement yeah. is dead yeah it is not a peace love no. kind of atmosphere <laughs> yeah don't don't go hitchhiking there, exactly watch you out know. for street toughs in the there's a lot oh, yeah michael hess in this one yeah just <laughs> yeah the ultimate street tough uh, but yeah no it's um such a, a violent real film mm-hmm. and i think there was a lot of films that in the 70s that had that realness to it where you almost felt like you were watching almost like a snuff, snuff film. film like that old whole gritty 42nd street type just dirty dirty Very movies dirty but this had a lot more like intellectual things to it going on no, it, was, it was very much it was a, a changing of the time to the fact in terms of horror movies I think it was really kind of a changing of the guard mm-hmm. because even before that you had your hammer horror films mm-hmm. more monster influenced and then more gothic type thing this is like hey we're gonna put in the real world let's this can the evil the evil that men do lives on and on yeah absolutely yeah and it's just a very scary movie, and it's another one that uh, there's a, quite a few of his movies that have been remade, uh-huh. which that's a whole other argument. Um, but my God, in uh, The Last House on the Left, the reason I was always familiar with it was it was on the Video Nasties list. Yeah. And for those of you that don't, aren't familiar with the Video Nasties, it was this uh, list of films that was banned in the UK, and it was almost like a horror 101 primer of... <laughs> You need to watch these films. Right. These movies will fuck you up. Yeah. Oh, these are the, yeah. these are the ones And they that will are, fuck you up. A lot of them are like, fuck. And there's a reason, yeah, why it was on there, because it was just so real. And the, that, there's that scene when, like I even mentioned in the intro, they make the girl pee her pants. And mm-hmm. it's just such a primal, humiliating thing. They're just in there laughing and enjoying it. and like Even the music that's playing take over. take off your pants now. Ha, ha, ha. And, then, and even the guy's like, come on, man. Can't you just like make them make out or something? Let's, we're taking it a little too far. It's like the one guy was basically the audience saying, let's just, just, the just audience show some titties yeah. instead of this. This please. is what I was coming for. Right. But you're giving me this? Yeah, this is a little bit more than I was asking for. So, And that's why, well, there's also that really weird music that's playing over it that's yeah. such a weird contrast the, yeah because it's always like do 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 go on down the country we're gonna fuck off some shit <laughs> and you know? then you just see them disemboweling this yeah. poor girl yeah it is insane <laughs> right and it also kind of set the tone for a lot of his kind of revenge motifs that he mm-hmm. gets and also weird um almost rube goldbergian style booby traps right that you get in a lot of his films yeah. as well and it all started from this particular film and that's also where you get the interesting uh nuclear family versus the non-traditional family mm-hmm. family values if you will because you have the traditional family end up becoming more savage and primal mm-hmm. when they get the whole revenge kick going yeah which is intense it is very intense but i also think it speaks to human nature it's like you you can only push people so far before they were just revert and revenge is the only thing they want to do. Revenge, survival. Because I'm not even mad at the family. 
Oh, no, of course I, you not. You know, you're like rooting, like, fuck them up. Like, you fuck them up. Yeah. That you ultimately root for them. Mm-hmm. But that's when you, hopefully, you're taking a step back and go, oh, shit, what am I rooting for right. here? Hey, and know I, what you're clapping for, people? Exactly. Do you know what you're clapping for? And I don't necessarily think he went out there to admonish us for that, but it right. was just more of a reflection. Mm-hmm. And go, yeah, this is this is the Vietnam reality. This is the reality of the United States in the 70s right yeah. now. And it's really funny, because with Wes Craven, even seeing him for the first time, I was so surprised, because after seeing all of his films... Like Mr. Rogers' brother. Yes! Yeah. I was expecting some gnarly Rob Zombie looking uh-huh. dude back in the day. But no, he's he's he looks like a fucking college, your, professor. college professor. It's like he should have like the tweed jacket with the, like the leather patches, <laughs> some some slippers that he mm-hmm. just put on. Oh, hi there, neighbors. Like, hey, would you like some tea? You know, <laughs> it's from like a person's head that he's pouring out. <laughs> Do you like scary movies? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I think that's why it works so well, mm-hmm. and why I think uh, horror generally gets a bad rep because they're not from familiar with the, the the subtext the, and the text and, that's and the auteurs of it yeah oh, God. and he he truly was an auteur of the, mm-hmm. of the horrors uh the horror genre yeah i mean but look at even like uh look at george miller that man makes some badass movies and you look at him he's like some little old grandpa looks like your grandpa yeah yeah no well, that's why you can never obviously the old adage never judge, judge a, book. a book by its cover and that's 100 percent true you're gonna get a real fucked up book if you don't <laughs> right, do that you know you're right. gonna miss out on some good shit uh but the next film that he did was the hills have eyes that movie was that's a hard to watch movie too it's another not as hard as the remakes those those pushed the boundaries of almost a bad taste that rape in part two was, oh i i no, I don't want to say I love a good rape scene. That's no, not what I'm going for. But like, you expect gore, you expect some stuff, but just that, just I was like, ooh, too the much. Yeah, and I mean, even watching the original the first time, you're just like, ooh, let's get the baby. You know, oh, like yeah, that because that's the film it came out in '77, and my God, mm-hmm. that's the one that really frightened me. So that was that was one on the VHS tip that uh, I always saw in the stores, and just like, oh, do I, do I want to watch that? That looks kind of scary. That guy looks mm. kind of scary on the cover, man. Because that was my first introduction to Michael Berryman. Yeah, because he's a fucking creep guy on that cover nicest just, guy you'd ever meet yeah but but my, scary looking and yeah. they employ him in such a well the thing with this film that i really like is that no one is safe truly no no one is safe no. they'll take anyone out in that film mm-hmm. and they do they kill the grandma they kill the dog yeah yeah they burn old bob big mm-hmm. bob and such a, just, almost the baby oh god i'm surprised the baby made <laughs> yeah, it out alive right? in this one but you've got basically the nuclear traditional family again versus mm-hmm. these cannibal hillbilly types of another family it's, it's very family versus family and he's got that so in his first two films he's got that very interesting kind of motif mm, weird dichotomy of everything and yeah. i think that's very purposeful yeah based on his kind of his background and what he's looking to do because mm-hmm. when you have a background in philosophy yeah you're gonna there's draw, some subtext you're gonna <laughs> draw upon a lot of that <laughs> stuff a, there's a lot of shit going on and you're gonna make people very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and, just, and again this is one of those films that i think is very real mm-hmm. that's the way it was shot yeah i don't like i hate getting flat tires but oh. i'll be goddamned if i'm gonna get a flat tire in the desert you oh know? no forget that forget that <laughs> <laughs> fucking pluto's looking at me through the- <laughs> oh and that's what i really like with this one versus the remake because uh-huh. this was remade, uh, the original uh, was made uh, Alexander Aja. I believe. Uh-huh. The, the first one I liked. I kind of like. I like the first remake, but they really vamped up the mutation on it, yeah. so they're the, more fucked up looking. The second one was just too much, and was it? yeah, too much style. Well, that's almost the enough. same thing with the uh, the sequel of the the original Hills Have Eyes, and, the, mm-hmm. and also because it was kind of a retread of the. Fr- they inserted so much stuff from the first one anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but I really like the fact that they made their cannibals hillbillies more human. Mm-hmm. 
as human as Michael Berryman gets, you know, for the most <laughs> right, part. Right. But they, but they didn't not. like, they didn't need to add like, you know, let's put on, let's give him an eye hanging down low and let's give him fucked up teeth. Yeah. And crazy. Five you know, rows hair of lip. teeth. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Grow a mustache over Let's give thing. him no nose. You know, that'll make him scary. No nose. And so you get, but that, to me, that makes them more terrifying because mm-hmm. it is a little bit more real. Yeah. And that's what, what I really liked with those first two films is the fact that it felt like it could happen to you. Mm-hmm. Like you said, God forbid, you do get a flat anywhere. Right. But especially out in the desert wasteland, man, mm-hmm. you know some ill ass shit <laughs> so is going to go bad down. bad shit's going down. It just never bro. is going to happen, no, man. No, uh, there's, oh, there's just so many good things with it. But um, 70s, I really think he, he, he cemented himself with those two films mm-hmm. just in terms of... You know, I am a I am a true filmmaker. This is what I'm aiming to do. Yeah. You know, I definitely have a goal with what I'm doing. And then you transition to the 80s. And he knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah. Well, the first one I wanted to talk about really quickly, and this is the one that I think a lot of people go, oh, I forgot he did that. Uh, but 1982 Swamp Thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I know. That's another one where people go, oh, shit, Wes Craven did that. Yeah. Because that's kind of a divisive film i'd liked the first one i it got kind of way too comic book cartoony in part two but the first one with adrian Mm. yeah (laughs) and then the pig monster yeah and the whole like uh doctor what was it dr kato uh it wasn't uh but it was a louis oh what was that guy's name shit uh, he was a very he was a Bond villain at one point. You guys don't know your West Craven. All the nerds are screaming at us right now. But that did have a very young Ray Wise yeah. playing Dick Durek. Yes, that was such a good movie. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun. It, you like exactly. It was like a little. It was like one of the first kind of meta comic booky. It was is one of the first comic yeah. book films that I can remember. Now I know that you know obviously there's going to be yeah, in, but in but, terms of the eighties mm-hmm. and some. Comic book characters you're not familiar with. Right. That your mom and dad didn't know. But it was such a total shift from the movie versus what was going on with the Swamp Thing in the comics. Because this was like Alan Moore's time in... Alan Moore had an amazing run on that. Yeah, this is dark. That was dark Swamp Thing. This is more like, hey, this is uh, the Swamp Thing I remember. Mm -hmm. And it actually worked for a a movie, you Mm -hmm. know, just a comic book movie. Uh, But there is, you you mentioned earlier, Adrian Barbeau is in this one. Now, I watched this film a lot on HBO growing up. Mm -hmm. A lot. (laughs) And one of my fondest (laughs) memories is the fact that this was the first time I remember seeing Adrian Barbeau naked. Yeah. And Adrian Barboobies. (laughs) Barboobies. Could never look her in the eyes. Uh, And the reason is, and what's interesting is there's a European cut of this movie and an American cut. And apparently HBO initially got the European cut, which had the gratuitous nudity and the U.S. cut didn't. Hmm. And so there are some people out there that hear that go, I never saw Adrian Barbo's boobs in this one. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys talking about? But depending on which cut you saw, uh-huh. you got the goodies, yeah. which let's let's face it. When you're watching these movies in that time, you want the goodies you know there's they serve a purpose they do absolutely they're great flotation devices because she's taking a uh, bath in the swamp in the swamp right yeah Uh, which is also interesting in terms of the swamp and how it's kind of a character just the location and the Uh locale itself really it just looks like a sticky humid movie Mm -hmm. and even the um the little uh little kesha hot and gross kesha <laughs> There's a deep cut for you. Uh, no, the uh, the kid that um, I'm trying to remember his name, but he's the little local that's like, uh, don't go into swamp. There's monsters there. Hell's yeah! Or, uh, there goes the neighborhood. Uh-huh, kid was just, yeah, just this little local actor kid loved it, knocked it out of the park. But this brings us to the probably the definitive mm-hmm. horror movie of the '80s. This is the one that everyone knows him for, for the most part, right? 
1984 is Nightmare on Elm Street. Correct. In the pantheon of slashers, I think if there was a Mount Rushmore of of mm. 80s slasher horrors, you're going to have Leatherface, Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy. And that's how it's going to go. And Freddy, he made such an iconic character that has surpassed everything. I mean, there's even the... Uh, they said that Freddy is uh, New Loon Nine Cinema is the house that Freddy built. Mm-hmm. Now they they credit the whole company to Freddy Krueger. The, they would have either made it or bro- broken it based on that film, mm-hmm. and obviously they made it like gangbusters. And it's still fucking terrifying to this day. I remember watching this movie for the first time in my aunt's house, basically from behind a chair, <laughs> because I would just I was so scared I would just kind of you're out every yeah. now and again and then yeah. some just gnarly shit would happen and it would freak me out oh my god um the whole premise of the film was based on a psychology psychology journal that he was reading about some kid that sliced in, his eyelids in open. cambodia mm-hmm. and then as soon as he fell then he didn't want to go to sleep and he didn't sleep for like five days and as soon as he did he died his parents gave him some sleeping pills because yeah. they wanted yeah and then that's creepy yeah and so he was like oh well what if there was something you know mm-hmm. more to him? this let's 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 put my philosophy into yes, play absolutely and which which gives you freddy krueger like mm-hmm. you said just and this is I'm afraid most people affiliate Freddy Krueger with the, the, the one-liners. Yeah. You revisit this film. No, the first one, there's nothing funny about he's it. He's sinister. Yeah. He's evil. He doesn't speak all that much. Mm-hmm. There's some really crazy kills in this movie. Oh, yeah. The iconic kills. Johnny Depp just getting sucked oh. into the bed and the fountain of blood. And then fucking Tina. Tina's All death. over the fucking room. Like, what? Dancing on the ceiling. Yeah. The, the, they actually utilized that set for uh, Breaking Two. Breaking Two. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you, you open up that movie with with Tina mm-hmm. and you almost identify her as the main hero the main heroine but no they mm-hmm. give you like a little bit of a, a, a psycho if yeah you will, a little they, bait and switch which yeah. is great but yeah her death is just horrible. It's, it's pretty fucking awesome it's it's all oh, I ranked that up there hard to watch along with some of the stuff in last house on the left because she's just so vulnerable she's under the sheets and her you know little PJs and mm-hmm. then that's what that's what I think what creeped me out more than anything is this guy just insinuates himself yeah. in your dreams. Yeah. He knows what scares you. He's the serpent in the garden. He man. is. Oh, my God. There's yeah. even that great scene when uh, Tina's running down the alleyway and he's those arms start yeah. expanding out. That scared me. To this day, it freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, see, a lot of people are like, oh, that was a goofy scene. I'm like, no, no, it wasn't. It's something that's humanoid, yet it's, it's something that you should not believe yeah it shouldn't exist right you should go that's fake but, but because yeah. you're in a dream mm-hmm. and that and whole sh- that whole sound effect of of just his claws mm-hmm. yeah and, and the, the mythos he created the whole the, that could span tv series films? yeah movies uh, callbacks mm-hmm. merchandising trading cards yeah i never would have imagined Freddy Krueger, you know, showing up on like the Tonight Show or right. you know Arsenio Hall based had, on that first they film. They fucking had Freddy Krueger uh, plush toys that you could like sleep with. Why in the fuck would you want <laughs> a known child molester, child killer, right? That in, that creeps into your dreams. You know what? I want him to sleep with. This is my dream catcher. <laughs> fuck it's yeah! Like, wow, really? Yeah. And this is you. You get uh, Heather Langenkamp introduced. Fucking John Saxon. John motherfucking John Saxon. Motherfucking y'all. Saxon, man. There's so many good bit players in this film. Mm-hmm. It really, really holds up. Now, it what's works. In, what's yeah. interesting is uh, Wes Craven apparently wanted it to be a one and done film, mm-hmm. and it was the producer Robert Shea that added on that little 
ending where he <laughs> drags the mom, the mom through the thing. I loved that. That fucker blew my mind when I first saw I'm like, whoa! It yeah. scares the shit out of yeah, you. And yeah. it, it allows them to sequelize. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we're going to eventually talk about um, the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series uh, in October. Mm-hmm. We do our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective, which is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> so fun which means bomb, we get man. to talk about all the sequels. Mm-hmm. We're going to go more in depth on Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but then the next film that he did uh, was in 1986, which was Deadly Friend. That movie, okay, <laughs> it wasn't the best, but it was so fucking good. It was like the the two things that stuck out of me was the whole idea of bringing back a robotic buddy that's mm-hmm. dead, and then the death of Anne Ramsey. Oh my god! The death of Mama Fratelli was so if good. If you haven't seen this movie, I guarantee, I guarantee you've seen the death of Mama Fratelli. Death by basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a uh, Christy Swanson mm-hmm. back in the day. Looking nice. Mm, Looking she's, nice. She's so pretty. <laughs> she, drinking game. She's a treat. There it is. <laughs> but basically, the basic premise is you've got a genius who is good with computers. Not, and not this one, but not another, different yeah, genius. Different genius. Genius with a G. Right. <laughs> uh, but he's good with computers. Makes a little robot friend. Meets Christy. Swanson, her stepfather, is it her father or Something stepfather? Like that, yeah. Basically beats her, she dies, and he brings her back. Mm-hmm. And mayhem ensues. Basically, it's a Frankenstein story for the modern age. It is. It is. Now, like you said, though, this is the one where people go, because eh, I'll admit it's not the greatest of films. It's kind of heavy handed. <laughs> it's it's kind of heavy handed. You know what he was going for. Yeah. But in terms of the execution, it's like, eh, probably could have done a little bit better. But the fucking kill, man. The basketball kill was glorious. I saw this in the movie theater. Did you? Yeah. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is all right. But then I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I just crack my shit up because she's like, bloop. Yeah. It's such a great kill. I would put that in maybe even like the top 10 of all time great kills i think maybe the funniest yeah like if there's like a funny kill or even a uh, exploding heads you could put this up with like Scan- shopping mall and scanners, scanners yeah. maniac uh-huh. and all those good ones because it's just it's so absurd mm-hmm. but it works yeah it really does uh now after that and this is where this is a film i haven't seen in ages and i need to revisit it but serpent in the rainbow i have not seen that movie in a long fucking time i haven't either i haven't <laughs> seen it probably since it was on hbo or i rented it one time this was like the thinking man zombie movie because it was almost like a jacob's ladder and very like is it, it real was, is things not real traditional zombie yeah as like in voodoo, voodoo zombie mm-hmm. and, and it was all about that man. bill pullman in an early yeah. role back in the day yeah no, a little cross in his head yeah i'm not dead mm-hmm. don't bury me and unfortunately i can't talk a lot about it because i just haven't seen it in a while yeah it's been a while it's one we need to read and this is it's a I want to be careful on that. This is it's a reason to revisit those old films, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously if Wes Craven hadn't passed away, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to go and revisit that one. Right. But it's one I'm going, "Oh, you know what? That's within his canon. I need to I Once need again, to take a look at it's it. it's an unfortunate reason, but at the same time, you know, any reason to go so see something that the man's done yeah. is a reason. Yeah. A good or bad or indifferent. And I'm looking forward to that one cuz I haven't seen that one in a while. But mm-hmm. then after that, and this is a personal favorite of mine, uh, and this is another one that people go, oh, it's just Nightmare on Elm Street again. I love this fucking movie. This is one. This is ha- by far one of the most underrated Wes Craven, if not underrated horror movies that there ever is. This is a fantastic. 
It, it still works. I love it. To death. 1989's Shocker, y'all. Mm-hmm. Horace motherfucking Pinker, man. Mitch Pelegi scared me in that movie. Yo, no, he was great. Um, I actually got a chance to talk to him about Shocker. We, it was at uh, Comic-Con, Planet Comic-Con, and I was talking, because he's like, hey, would you like something signed from the X-Files? I'm like, you're good in X-Files. Oh, what about them? I'm like, yeah, you know, but <laughs> I got to tell you, it's fucking Horace Pinker all the way, man. He goes, really? And I go, yeah. He goes, I don't get a lot of love from that one. And I'm like, how do you, how not? Do you not? How do you not? I'm like, dude, that movie is fantastic. Because you know what? I have a lot of fun doing it. Because I really like that movie too, you know. And, and I and I said, so can you give me some insight? And he goes, well, you know, Wes Craven really wanted to make it a series. He wanted it to be Freddy, a new Freddy type movie. He wanted right. to keep Launching the horse pinker uh, horse pinker story going. And I go, what happened? He goes, well, we didn't get good reviews. We didn't get, make a lot of money, and the special effects weren't great and i go and i go yeah they, they're kind of dated but from what they were at the time, at they, the were, time they, they were, were they were good. good and he goes yeah if we would have made it like maybe five years later it would have been a lot better and i'm like yeah but it's such a good fucking movie and then that little girl come on you fucker yeah just ground it on the top of the I was fucking about to say and yeah. it has that great little child swearing trope uh-huh. in it, which you can't go wrong oh, it's with so man. good the little girl's on the playground chasing the main guy and she jumps on this bulldozer and the bulldozer won't go and they're like come on you fucker and the whole premise is basically uh mitch Pelegi pays horse pinker this notorious serial killer that mm-hmm. finally gets caught put to death by the electric chair but the, because of the power of electricity and that weird ass god that he's praying yeah to, Give me the power. You got it, baby. Uh-huh. Like the whole MTV, it like is, the big MTV lips coming out. Yeah. It's such a bizarre movie, man. It works. It's it really good. I liked it. Um, the only thing that kind of always weird, brought, took it down a notch for me wasn't so much the special effects or anything, but it was Peter Berg's performance in it. <laughs> Because he's, he's, your coach is dead. Why am I talking like this? Why can't I? Pre- he just had no energy. Why am I alive? <laughs> it just always kind of took me out of the film. Yeah. But then Horace Pinker would show he back suck up. He fucking saved the day, man. Oh. And I loved them running through the different channels and stuff. That was gold. I love that. I lo- loved shit like that. Like uh, Stay Tuned with John Ritter. Whoa! Stay I love that fucking movie. That's Anything a good one. where they run through TV channels, even like fucking uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. Yeah, yeah. Anything uh, like where they run through. Well, we're we're, we're children of the the VCR of mm-hmm. cable. So of to the me, giant us, satellite dishes. And yeah, like you're the one friend that has you. Like I want to come over and watch Japanese cartoons. Yeah, so. Playboy TV. You got yeah. Playboy TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, uh, you know, who didn't want to run through the various channels and genres? You mm-hmm. know, I always wanted to do that. Uh, also gives you the Horace Pinker. Uh, a massage chair mm-hmm. when you know, little eyeballs pop out. It's it's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it in a while, it's go revisit so it. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but that leads me to my favorite Wes Craven film, and another one I think is very underrated and doesn't give it a lot of love, but um, 1991's uh, People Under the Stairs. That's another underrated one. That movie is great. That movie is... There's a lot of shit going down in that And movie. it didn't do really well in the box uh-uh. office. Uh-uh. Uh, it became more of a cult film once it hit the home theaters, um, the home video market. But for me, I think the initial thing that people really were put off from it was it is, it's a horror movie, but it's not straight horror. Mm-mm. It's almost like a horror cartoon because there's so many crazy... It's way over the top. It's beyond over yeah. the top. I mean, it is. This is like you know, turning your heart hat backwards over the top. You know, uh, but that one uh, stars <laughs> deep cut Wendy Roby and Everett McGill. Uh, what happened to Wendy Roby? I don't know. Whatever happened to Everett McGill? That's true. 
you know, they were phenomenal. That's Big Ed and uh, Nadine uh-huh. from Twin Peaks. Yeah. And so they are basically these crazy slum lords uh, that uh, control these really bad apartments. And it's uh, it's almost an urban fairy tale. It is. And the weird thing about it is, is like at, the mo- at that time, and even to this day, there's always the final girl. There wasn't a final girl. It didn't revolve around this young white teenage girl. Nope. It was about a young black boy. Fool. Yeah. And it plays almost like a Grimm's fairy tale. Ex- yes, very much so. Like the cost- gingerbread house type thing. It, it's because they gingerbread slum. Gingerbread slum. <laughs> Well, and that's the whole thing. It's um, they're getting kicked out of their their little apartment. They go and they've heard about this house that has riches beyond you know galore. But there's bad shit in this house. A lot man. of weird, and, bad, gimpy shit. Oh, when whenever McGill comes out in the gimp suit the first time, <laughs> yes. I was that blew my mind. I didn't know what a gimp suit was watching it back then. I'm like, right. what am I watching? Exactly. And it, this is where I think again why people have such a hard time with it because it becomes a cartoon. It becomes very over the top, Looney Tunes because. He takes a lot of punishment in this film. He takes a shitload. It's and like then, a Home Alone kind of thing. Yeah. In fact, I think Fool and fucking Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, get together. they needed to make a movie like that. Have you heard about the fan theory that the Kevin McAllister Macaulay Culkin grew, grew up, up to be Jigsaw? <laughs> it makes it sense. It, it completely does, man. God damn. Um, but... Um, it's almost like also an Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. Because they go down the rabbit hole real hard. deep. And the people under the stairs, the aforementioned, they're not the bad guys. No, they're the good guys. They're that's, the- <laughs> that's, I think, what also threw people off is you almost, you have, you come to sympathize with them. Oh, most definitely. Especially Roach. Oh, God. Yeah. They call, that was a Frogert from Lost and the guy that did the Aaron Burr commercial. Aaron Burr. He's yeah. had a career of not being able to talk correctly in his films, man. That poor guy. <laughs> It's like, I'm not monosyllabic. Well, so did Mel Tillis. <laughs> Plenty. Plenty. <laughs> so if you haven't seen People in, people Under the Stairs, Go man, watch it. It's oh, great. It it's is, fucking great. It's a lot of fun, man. Mm-hmm. It's the but one, going with an open mind. Yeah. Don't expect straight horror. No. Expect lunacy. The, almost, lunacy almost, is the perfect word. <laughs> this is like if uh, Wes Craven directed a Joe Dante movie. Drop your mic. That's yeah, perfect. That yeah. does have some Joe Dante sensibility to mm-hmm. it, man. Which I, which is why I like it. Yeah, it's, me too. It's crossing genres. It's bending everything. Mm-hmm. It, like you said, going with an open mind because it goes a long way. Um, and we'll actually go into more detail on people on the stairs in an episode that we're going to do way in the future yeah. in February. In the year two thousand sixteen. And so that then uh, there's. Vampire in Brooklyn, which is another one which I haven't seen since I saw it in the theater. I remember seeing it and being like, eh, eh. I think this is one of his missteps. And I think because he tried to put too much, because you can't have Eddie Murphy and not have a comedy. Yeah. And I, I don't think Craven's comedic timing is where his horror no. is. No. No, one definitely outweighs the other. Right. And with that one, it didn't. Yeah. I didn't think it worked, but I again, this is one I haven't seen in a while. And once again, this is all subjective. You guys can be like, you fucking assholes are-, are dumb. Fucking Vampire in Brooklyn's the tits, you know? And it's, whatever, dude. Yeah. You know? It just didn't work for me. But the one I think that really kind of steered the ship for him is in uh, 1996 when Scream came out. Yeah, that movie That movie just catapulted him. Just said like, hey, look, I'm back, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so many, I, I know so many many horror fans that that is their halloween yeah that is their yes that is their pinnacle horror movie which i think is great because mm-hmm. to me as a horror fan it definitely spoke to me i haven't i haven't watched this in a while i revisited it 
had a lot of fun with it. It's a great movie, and, and, for, I, and I think that I think you would appreciate it more if you've already seen the other horror movies before, like all yeah. the other like slashers and stuff, because it it's super meta. It's I, it's not the first meta horror film, but, but it's, it's the one I think one of the best ones. It and perfected the formula. I think there's two that really cemented him, and they're both by Wes Craven when it comes to meta. This one and New Nightmare. Yes, yeah, that's another one that is unreal. Yeah. And I think they they say uh, Scream is a is a uh, meta fan, and this is from our brethren brethren over at Control Alt Delete. They made a really good point. Scream is the meta the meta film for the fans, and New Nightmare is the meta film for the filmmakers in terms of the process. Yeah, um, I can see that because yeah, Scream definitely pays homage to a lot of films, mm-hmm. Halloween. Um, new year's evil uh, his own movies oh yeah yeah Not, he's even he's even in it in a freddy as a freddy, freddy the janitor yeah and they even say you know what about nightmare on elm street oh the first one was good the others sucked i mean they yeah. just which, <laughs> and it was so self-aware that how did you ever identify with randy the oh the fuck yeah nerd? oh fuck yeah because i worked at the video store too <laughs> i was like fucking me and jamie kennedy can be friends and it was really before this stuff was common knowledge the entire the entire first uh set set piece with drew barrymore mm-hmm. is wonderful oh yeah it's suspenseful it's funny it's frightening uh, it's scary yeah i saw the, saw this in the theater with a group of people and it was the best one of the best like theater experiences i've ever had because mm-hmm. there's that great scene when um ghostface turns around for the first time theater lost their shit when yeah. i saw it oh, i yeah. was like oh you know it was just and uh, then to remind you why you like horror movies yeah. you know that that pathos you get the cathartic just release is mm-hmm. so much fun and just it's well crafted it's a whodunit yeah almost which, there's so many red herrings in that movie shit it's like it, a russian all you can eat buffet man it's a we do not like that in Russia. In Soviet Russia, movie metaphies you. Um, but yeah, then you had the new nightmare, uh-huh. which was their 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 real world take on. Yeah. And it wasn't in new nightmare. It wasn't necessarily Freddy. It was like this demon, demon Freddy. And to me, that was even scarier than the comic Freddy. Yeah, because like well, they took well, it back. Yeah, though they to yeah. original scary because they even had like a scene where he comes out and Freddy's like, ah, look at me. Yeah, right. Jazz fingers. <laughs> and they're like, no, this. They're like, yeah, have you seen this? Then I keep having dreams about Freddy, and he's in there like darker. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, this, this Freddy's darker. They even recreate the uh, the Tina death scene with the little babysitter, mm-hmm. that, yeah. which was again messed up. And the special effects are surprisingly still holding up really well. Like the beginning scene with the metallic hand mm-hmm. running around killing everybody. That fucking was badass. That was kind of scary. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and there's so there's so many films that you need to either rewatch mm-hmm. that you've seen a million times rewatch that you've only seen one or two times and a few of them out there that maybe you need to look at i've i'll admit i've never seen cursed that I werewolf did. film i did yeah. it was it was all right i mean was, i only i mainly saw it because i, I was in a big shannon elizabeth kick because <laughs> this was like right after american pie will she take her gear off again yeah because i think it was shannon elizabeth and christina ricci mm-hmm. and like those I've always had a big crush on Christina Ricci. It's it's common knowledge on now to our, some certainly. of our loyal listeners. Um, 
But then Shannon Elizabeth, and they're like, they're going to be in a werewolf movie by Wes Craven. I'm like, well, that's fucking two great tastes that taste great together. So take my money. Right. And, but I was like, eh, it's not bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't like terrible. I wasn't like, this is bullshit. No, it was, yeah, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like up in the pantheon of his work. It wasn't like if someone's like, hey, what's the best Wes Craven movie? Nobody's going to fucking say cursed. I don't think they will. Right. So in seventies kind of redefined horror, made it more real in the eighties. He gave us Freddie in the nineties. He gave us scream. I mean, that is just a long, mm-hmm. storied career. Oh, yeah. And like you said, he was very much an auteur in the vein of Carpenter, mm-hmm. in the vein of Cronenberg, uh, Romero. His films said a lot. They spoke a lot. They spoke to us. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll definitely be pouring one out for Mr. Craven. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely check out all of his films. Yeah. You know, there's no better time than now. I know a lot of you mentioned the solidarity of the horror community. Many people were like, you know, at this point, at a certain time, we're going to be wearing our Freddy sweaters or... You know, and um, our local theaters, uh, Alamo and Screenland, have uh, been putting on more Craven movies here. Mm-hmm. You're getting ready to host uh, a screening of Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Yeah, and maybe Shocker. Yeah. So. Yeah, so get it out there, guys. Um, this is, I hate to do sad episodes like this, but let's, let's again. Instead let's, of being sad about it, let's celebrate the man and his work. Fuck yeah, he yeah. will forever live in each of our hearts, our minds. And our nightmares. Uh, oh, perfect. Well, until next week, I'm Greg D. I'm Jimmy McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Oh,